0: Hey listeners welcome to another episode of the kids ministry 101 podcast i'm your host and friend chuck peters it's good to be back with you again and i'm joined today by producer trey hey trey you over there hey, hey buddy and so trey is at the at the controls again as usual trey what's going on in your life
1: uh not a lot uh
0: well actually a lot uh so we're prepping for uh, vps preview yeah that's right January, so that's what we're And so in addition to the work that Trey does as an engineer on the podcast, which is where many of you have heard him, he also is a hands-on leader at our events. And so we are prepping right now here in the fall as we record this for our VBS preview season. And Trey will be on site in Ridgecrest Mm -hmm. and Fort Worth and Houston and Hendersonville. And we're going to see thousands of people coming through that event. Are you ready?
1: All the places.
0: Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And so we want to make sure you have a chance to get to those events. So you can find out more by going to lifeway.com slash VBS. And at lifeway.com slash VBS, you can scroll down a little bit and you will see these events listed, the VBS preview events. So if you are anywhere near North Carolina or Texas or Nashville, make sure you come to one of those events. And uh, Trey will be there, right? It's fun. Man, it's going to be great. Great. Well, today we are talking about an issue that can be a little bit difficult. Uh, so a lot of stuff that we handle in Kids Ministry is fun, and we enjoy to talk about things like, you know, crafts and recruiting volunteers and all that stuff. But there also are some really heavy and real issues that we need to be prepared to address in the church that we need to take very seriously and so today we're talking about one of those issues and our guest today is our friend friend of lifeway kids and friend of mine dr shelly Melia. shelly it's good to have you
1: thanks for having me it's always good to be here
0: and you're joining us from dallas right yes sir and what's the weather like there today is it beautiful
1: it is absolutely beautiful it's about 75 degrees no wind uh, sunshine a, it's an unbelievably
0: gorgeous fall day. So living here in Nashville for the last, I don't know, four or five days, I'd had to get up and scrape my windshield with an ice scraper. Uh-huh. Ice. it has yeah. been so cold. It's crazy cold. So I'm no. I'm envious of where you are right now. So I hope that it, you get to enjoy the the fall part. I guess fall in Texas means football, right? Right. It does.
1: Now, it sure does.
0: You don't have a football team at DBU.
1: No. We have a great baseball team,
0: though. Oh, good. Well, OK, so we'll have to talk baseball in another episode. Trey's a big okay. baseball guy. But you, being being in Texas and knowing football is so big, do you have an allegiance of any kind to a Texas team?
1: Well, my son goes to Baylor, and so I was Ooh. really upset Saturday night when oh, Oklahoma came back and beat yes. them. But I, I do try to cheer for his school, uh, the Bears, there in Baylor, in Waco.
0: Sickum. Yeah, I've heard that. I've got, we've got some Baylor Bears around the office here, so I've, I pick up on that Baylor jargon. Yeah, I was watching them and uh, just being undefeated so long into the season. that they, And they played so well in the first half of the game. Ugh.
1: They, they did. They breaker. just didn't show up the second half.
0: And I know our friends in Oklahoma who are listening are doing a little silent cheer. So they we are. love you too, Oklahoma. So Anyhow, well, Shelly, we're talking today about a topic that you covered in a breakout session that you led at Etch. And it has to do with gender identity in children. And so the question that we have today is, is, are we as the church, are we prepared to address issues that are related to gender identity? And so this is something where, um, although we maybe have seen this coming at a distance, it seems like it's approaching very rapidly uh, into our local churches everywhere. And so we need to be aware and we need to have some kind of a plan. And so we want to give you the opportunity to, to tell us um, what you know and the things that you've uh, been learning and teaching uh, about this issue so that we can be better prepared as the church. So this is one of those issues, gender identity. Again, it's a little hard to talk about, but so important for us to discuss as leaders in the church, especially in the kids space, because really that's where a lot of this is hitting. And so... Right. My first question to you is, do we really have to talk about this? <laughs> is this, is this, <laughs> this a hard thing to talk about and deal with? So we as the church, I think it's easiest for us to just kind of ignore it, right? Right. And so yeah. why, think, why yeah, do we not I, need we to we ignore this? We definitely have
1: to talk about it. And I I do think that sometimes when we're not sure how to handle something, we do just kind of pretend that it's not happening. But uh, what I'm seeing, and, and even after being at Etch, I had so many people come up to me after the conference and say, Yes, we have a girl that's struggling with this in our ministry. Yes, we have a boy. I mean, just a lot of ministers uh, are trying to figure out how to navigate that. Because one of the things that we, we want to be sure to do is, is not to be afraid of it in terms of uh, just choosing not to minister to kids who, who struggle with that and almost sort of shunning them. I've spent hours trying to learn about this issue because uh, mm-hmm. honestly, it's a very complex issue. And uh, the church has not typically done a great job uh, with it. So it's definitely something that we need to talk about. If your church hasn't already dealt with some, some issue with it, um, you will. In our teenage groups, most of them, you know, they'll talk about it in their uh, small groups and, and whatnot. But hmm. in our kids' uh, ministry, the way that it could show up or the way that it is showing up is, is by requests from parents to allow their biological boy to participate in a girl activity, in a gender-specific activity. Or we even see uh, some of our young, young parents um, are choosing uh, to raise their children gender-neutral. And so they're not really wanting to even identify whether their child is a boy or a girl. And so we're seeing it creep down into the kids' ministry. I wish it wasn't, um, but it is. And so we, we definitely have to talk about it uh, and be prepared for it.
0: Well, and this is something that we see in social media. You know, we see news sure. stories and hear different accounts and things, and it always seems like it's happening somewhere, but not mm-hmm. here, right? And wherever that is that we are. And so, right. but you're saying really it is becoming a very prevalent issue that we we absolutely will have to confront, not necessarily confront, but that we will have to uh, be prepared for how to, we're going to sure. handle it in our church at some point in time, and that may be really soon right um can you can you define some of the terms for us so just even as we begin to talk about this there are some (laughs) new term there's some new terminology and there's some ways of talking about things that maybe we Mm -hmm. need to define for the listener before we get too deep into the conversation
1: sure so um biological sex i think we all understand that's that's that object objective um, part of us that we can look at scientifically and say yes you're a boy or yes you're a girl It has to do with the the internal reproductive parts, the external reproductive parts, whether they have XX chromosomes as in the female, or whether they have XY chromosomes as in the male. So that's biological sex, that's usually determined at birth. Uh, Then this term gender refers more to the psychological, social and cultural aspects of being male or female. This is why typically when we have a gender reveal, And if blue confetti goes everywhere, it's what?
0: Right. It's a boy. It's a boy.
1: Right. So if it's pink, it's a girl. And so that's that idea that we've sort of created. Um, But gender identity is kind of how you experience yourself and how you feel about yourself in terms of whether you're masculine or feminine. So biological sex is, is more a factual part of us. Gender identity is more how we experience the world and how we feel. Hmm. So there's a difference. This is based on feelings, and, and biological sex is based on facts. Okay. The term that that um, counselors use when trying to help a child or a teenager deal with problems related to this is gender dysphoria, which just basically means I'm not comfortable in the body that I have because I feel different. Um, there's an incongruence between my body and then how I actually feel in terms of being male or female. So counselors would diagnose somebody with a mismatch between those two things as having gender dysphoria. So those are kind of some common names. We might call it gender confusion, and that kind of is a similar term. But the the idea is that it creates some distress for the individual. And I think this is important for us as Christians and as church people to know is that they're – perception of themselves and how they feel is real. They do feel distressed. They do Mm. feel uncomfortable uh, in who they are. And so we have to sort of walk that line of compassion, of grace with truth. But uh, in their mind, it's very real. Similar to someone with anorexia, when Mm. they look in the mirror, Chuck, what do they see?
0: Uh, Well, they don't see themselves as thin as what they are, right? They, They think that they're overweight, but other people see them as being thin.
1: Right. So they, what they see is that they're fat, but they're not really fat. And so it's sort of similar with gender dysphoria. What, what we know about them, but what they feel is different. Hmm. Um, and so, uh, that kind of helps you frame some of the, the terminology in terms of how prevalent it is. The statistics say that there's only about one in 10,000 males and one in 10,000 females. However, um, our world is sort of um, embracing and celebrating this idea mm. that it's uh, those numbers are going to go up. Uh, those are actual numbers of people diagnosed, I see. but there's lots of people that actually feel that distress. So
0: so this is, uh, is this know. a new thing. I mean, obviously, this is in the news right now. This is something that mm-hmm. has become that we're talking about more uh, and it's almost become a bit of a movement. But mm-hmm. this is not a brand new, uh, this gender confusion is not new right. to humans. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. I think that, you know, you can look and you can see that this has been, um, around for a long time. The, the difference is we don't have, um, the celebration of it, or we haven't had the celebration of it like mm-hmm. we do now. Our, our kids, um, some, some research have, have looked at where is this sort of coming from. and. One of the biggest places it's coming from is YouTube transition videos. So kids Mm -hmm. are watching these uh, videos of kids who've transitioned. Um, You've got um, kids uh, being celebrated on TV who transition. Mm -hmm. You've got Barbie is going to have a gender neutral doll um, coming out. You've got uh, Sesame Street who's adding a gender neutral character. And so it's become sort of a, for lack of a better word, a cool factor. It's kind of a new way to express yourself, a new issue in diversity. Yes. Um, and so that is what our kids are sort of attracted to. And honestly, some of them get more belonging from that group when they identify with that group yes. than they do from maybe even a church group or a group of, of same-sex friends. And so it's definitely uh, in our kids' faces much more. Uh, than it has ever been before.
0: Yes. And probably in their schools, seeing this at a mm-hmm. younger and younger age. And it's something that kids are hearing at school and online, but maybe not at home and probably not at church. And yeah, so, and I think
1: that's important is that our kids, our parents aren't talking about it. Uh, and so they're going to social media or to their friends. And if you look at mm-hmm. uh, Gen Z, Barnett came out with some stuff on Gen Z and a third of them, those are our teenagers and young adults say that gender is what a person feels like. Hmm. So again, that emphasis on feelings and that only 50% of them say that biological sex determines your gender. So it's this idea that we're going to split the the sex from the gender and we're almost going to value the feelings more over the facts.
0: And you mentioned before that there that the feeling is genuine, right? That there is a uh-huh. feeling that, uh, that a young person uh, who's in this, Uh, condition may be experiencing and you also had mentioned before we started recording the and I was surprised at how high the number is the suicide rate connected with gender confusion can you tell us about that? right so
1: yeah the long-term outcome um, is is rather negative Um, and I think that's something that um, that parents need to know that we need to know that a short-term fix in their mind, uh, may actually create a long-term, very painful um, life. And so when you look at the statistics, um, the lifetime suicide attempt rate is 41% for Mm -hmm. people who transition to another gender. And you compare that to only 5% of the general population. And you can see that, um, again, that short-term fix doesn't make a long-term difference because they, they seem to feel regret and, and obviously a lot of distress uh, later in life. Uh, and part of the issue too, and, and it's easier for me to say this as someone who's uh, ministering to children primarily, um, is that uh, kids don't have the ability to make those kind of long-term decisions. Uh, and so we need to really be cautious with mm-hmm. allowing kids to move in that direction when they're five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years old, knowing what those long term outcomes are, in addition to how we may feel about it theologically and how we may feel about it in a lot of other ways, we have to be honest and say it doesn't work out very well for many of the kids who who do that. And so we need to be careful.
0: Yes. Well, how do we respond as the church? So let's bring this back to the what can we do from the roles that we have in the children's ministry space? We, uh, we can expect that families and children will show up uh, who have requests, like you had mentioned, for their uh, child of one gender to participate in events that you've designed for the other and, and overnight trips and bathroom usage. So there's all those practical things, but then there's also some of the theological, how do we think about this and how do we, and then how do we love these people? What, what is it that we need to do and what can we do? So let's bring it into the church. What what kind of okay. things can we expect and what kind of plan do we need to have to get out in front of this?
1: Sure. I think that one of the things um, that we need to be committed to is to loving and showing compassion to these individuals and these families and giving them help in the church. In other words, we don't want them to have to go outside the church uh, to get help. And so we need to be ready to respond to them rather than just reacting to them. What I've seen in churches is something something will pop up and we haven't really thought about it and we haven't really got a plan. And so we react and mm. it becomes somewhat personal to that family. And so then that doesn't go very well. Um, but if we have thought in advance, here's, here's kind of how we're going to handle this. Here's our policies. Here's, here's our um, guidelines. Uh, then it's not a personal issue. It's this is how our church, um, sort of operates. So we need to be ready to respond rather than react. And that means we've got to listen that mm. uh, we need to listen to these kids. Um, into these families, and um, you know, influence requires us to understand them. It doesn't mean that we endorse necessarily what they're doing, mm-hmm. but to take time to listen. Um, because I think sometimes we're so uncomfortable that we don't do that. The second thing is to love them, to love them through it. And you may just have to say, "Hey, I don't really know a whole lot about this, but I'm going to love you through this. I'll be willing to help you uh, find some resources. I know this is is a hard time." But I want you to know your church is here to love you all. And then to be willing to lead, um, that uh, some folks feel that any form of guidance uh, with kids is rejection. It's a rejection of who they are. But I don't, I don't really believe that. I believe that guidance is part of what we're called to do as ministers and as parents, for sure, that sometimes we've got to be the parent and help help make some good, Um, guidelines, some good boundaries for our kids because that's our responsibility. So we want to listen, love, and lead. And then with parents, we've got to engage them in the conversation. I think we've got to be willing to talk about it. We've got to be willing to share information. We've got to help equip them for this battle because if if their child doesn't struggle with it, somebody else's child will, Mm -hmm. and they need to be ready to help. And then we need to be willing to extend some resources to them. Um, that's going to give them good information. The world has lots of information out there, and most of it is very pro-gender uh, transition. Uh, and so we've got to be able to give them good, solid resources. Um, and so that's kind of with the individual and the family. Uh, I think theologically, we've got to think about it and remember passages like Genesis one twenty-seven that that tells us that we're created male or female. Um, but we've also got to acknowledge that you know since the fall. Uh, things have not been good and yeah. this is one of those um, outcomes. our our bodies and our minds don't always align like they would in a sinless world. and uh, and if you think about it, the very first result uh, in the garden of the first rejection of God was shame and awkwardness with their bodies. Mm-hmm. If you remember with with uh, Adam and Eve when they yeah. sinned, they immediately felt that that awkwardness. and so, uh, we have to examine those passages that sort of inform us of, of what we believe, and then as a church, um, you you alluded to exactly the right things. We've got to we've got to understand that gender based events, gender based groupings, bathroom usages, and camps and retreats those are the places where these things will likely show up. And mm-hmm. so, as a church, that means that we've got to think about what do we believe about those things. Um, most uh, places and lawyers and attorneys and different people recommend that in your statement of faith that you have, most churches have a statement of faith mm-hmm. that you go ahead and, and say what you believe about gender um, and how you, um, how you, what scriptures you use. The advice that I've been giving is that uh, in order to avoid lawsuits, believe it or not, we could we could be in lawsuits because mm-hmm. of um, not allowing kids to participate in in opposite gender events and that you've got to sort of outline that most churches haven't really um, done that and then once you've got it in your beliefs you can put it into your policies just simple uh, wording like for the purposes of groupings Uh, First Baptist Church will always consider the biological sex of a person to be there uh, the way that they're grouped or or something Mm. like that and I've got some examples I could send if if somebody wanted those Um, and then also finally Anytime you do anything related to policies, you need a good attorney to help you, um, to help you work through that. And, and while policies are important, people are the most important. And yes. so uh, this is a complex issue. And I think as the church, we've really uh, missed an opportunity or can miss an opportunity if we don't prepare for this and if we don't figure out a way to balance grace and truth and show compassion to these kids and their parents.
0: And this is something clearly, as you get into legal matters and you know uh, official documents of the church, that extends well beyond the kids ministry. We we need to, if our pastors and deacons and elders are not addressing this, we probably need to engage in that as exactly. a kids leader with those leaders in our church, so that we can take proactive measures, so that we can be ready, uh, not just in the kids space, but in the whole church, uh, to right. avoid things like lawsuits and, yeah. and really difficult issues.
1: I think you made an excellent point. Um, it's definitely not a kids ministry or student ministry issue. It's a church issue. And so getting pastors on board to uh, address that and, and the elders or the deacons or whatever your church may use mm. is absolutely essential. It's not something, unfortunately, that kids ministers can just lead out and make happen. It takes, it takes the church addressing it.
0: Well, Shelly, thank you so much for sharing your insights on this. It you're is welcome. a tough topic. And I so appreciate your thoughtfulness. You, you're, you're so articulate in expressing these things. I know it's what you do uh, as a leader there at DBU. And so we're thankful for you sharing your knowledge with our, with our listeners and with us. So thank you very much for that you're welcome and listeners i want to invite you to to do two things here in uh in uh, conclusion um one is we will share some links in the show notes for this episode at kidsministry 101com shelly mentioned some resources so we'll uh, see if we can get some links from her that we might share there and then i want to invite you to check out the digital pass from this year's etch conference um shelly led a, a breakout that was i think an hour long on gender identity issues in the church and you can find that session on the digital pass and we will include uh as well as all the other content from the Edge conference so whether you attend the Edge conference or not i want to encourage you to check out that digital pass where if this is a topic that you want to hear more on and you really should i would encourage you to check out that digital pass where you can hear uh, the full conversation and uh, and then Uh, engage with Shelly if you like. We'd love to have you attend Edge Conference next year. And Shelly, of course, we want to have you back again where uh, listeners, where you can meet her in person and have uh, one-off conversations with her, if you like, about topics like this along with our other thought leaders. So kidsministry ministry 101.com we click on the podcast find this episode and you can find some links there that will be very helpful and of course listeners we want to invite you one more time to go to lifeway.com slash vbs where you can find information about our vbs preview events coming up in january so you can hang out with me and trey
1: that's it
0: <laughs> thanks for listening everybody we'll see you back next time in the kids ministry 101 podcast